time to turn to God. You see, this message this morning will help us to understand the need for a solemn time of repentance, a sacred time of repentance, and seeking the Lord when He makes it clear that His people have turned from Him are, and are in great need of a return that brings revival and restoration. I think for the most part, we would admit that the, the church have we have turned away from some of the important and core fundamental things. Maybe not you, maybe not me, but in general. And so let's make it very general. The church is not functioning right now according to what we see in biblical text. Somehow, we know that there's something, there's a missing ingredient in the function of God's church. We realize that people are trying hard to do what is right. But, but we have lost, we believe, most of us, some of that manifest glory and power. And you're wondering where are the mass salvations and the mass breaking out of the Holy Spirit. Where are those things? Where are the healings? And people often ask these questions. What is God doing? Where is God working? Why aren't we seeing greater manifestation, dunamis power, explosive power, workings of God on a consistent basis? It was like the times in Joel. The Lord says, you want it back? Well, now therefore, turn to me with all your hearts. That's where it begins. This message the goal of this message, a solemn assembly for revival, is to learn that God controls all situations and often directly intervenes. And that we must recognize these interventions and respond to him. So we, we, we all want a great and historic movement of God in our lifetime. All of us, we would love to see something done in this lifetime in the church that no one has ever experienced that 10 generations from now, when they speak of it, they will say, wow, you know how people speak about Azusa Street Revival? How people speak about the day of Pentecost? How people speak about the days of uh, um, evangelists? So now has taken over. Billy Graham. People talk about the big ten crusades and stadiums being filled. People, all of us want something to happen in this generation that we are a part of that generations to come will remember. We want a change to our hearts. We want a change of heart in the church and in the nation. But despite these desires that many of us have, Perhaps we're not really as serious about them as we ought to be. Because to have that kind of a move, we need to make a certain kind of move. Amen? We can't expect dynamic moves of God if we're not willing to do some dynamic things for God. So revival needs a sacred or solemn assembly of God's people. Solemn means that it's not a party atmosphere. When it says a sacred assembly or a solemn assembly, it's not talking about 
uh, this, this, this party atmosphere. Let us have a celebration. It's talking about a more, uh, not sad, but a more reflective state of mind. A more focused, this peaceful, tranquil, quiet state of mind where it's about inward reflection. That's what the scripture is speaking to. A solemn assembly is one where the mood of the people and the tone of the events are serious and even deadly serious. When a revival needs to come and God's people are in a solemn assembly, it's not a place for joking. All jokes are over. It's not a place for half-hearted effort. We want revival and we call a solemn assembly of God's people and say it's time for revival. It means and it requires full, wholehearted commitment. No finke finke. Halfway in, halfway out. All that has to stop. It's not a time for one day Christianity. When God is ready to speak. We better be ready to listen. So God is about to speak in our text. He says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. <coughs> Excuse me. In this day and time, there are many people who think that human beings are responsible for whatever happens. But we know that that's not the case. I know we think like what is happening in Jamaica. Everything. Is human at work doing it. And we have that idea. That when major things happen. Somehow. It's about people. Not in all cases. Many times, it is God's way of getting the church to pay attention to what God is doing. You wonder why some people die? And viruses and pandemics and stuff happen. Could it be that God is trying to get the attention of the church? Could it be that all that is happening in Jamaica is because God... Is seeking your attention. Uh, could it be that in all of this, there's a message from God for you? And all of these things are happening because God wants you to see something in the midst of it. I wonder. The Lord is good and He's patient and He's waiting for His time to return. And that will signal the end. Of the day of man. There's a time when man no longer have a say. And God speaks. And God does what God does. So the passage reminds us that, this, that soon it will be the day of the Lord. Come on, say that with me. Soon it will be the day of the Lord. See, we can all agree that we have wasted enough opportunities. And enough of the Lord's time in our lives. The good news is that all of this is that the Lord says he will not only restore us, but he can also more than make up for the wasted time. That's what restoration does. 
When God is restoring, God can even restore time. But to experience this restoration, God's people need a great returning to Him because He alone can restore us and make wrong things right. I believe that all that's happening around us, it is God's way of saying, return to me. Turn to me. Repent, church. Turn to me. Render not your... Render your hearts and not your garments. Turn to me with your whole heart. Come back to me. Return to me. Repent and I will relent. I believe that all that is happening, all that we are seeing, the loss of job and the breakdown of families and schools being disrupted, is God is saying, return to me. But you know what's happening? That many are going further away from him. It's kind of funny that God could be using these events to get us to come to him. But the same events that are supposed to pull us to him are pushing many further away. What a dilemma we are in. God is setting the stage for his return. And the events that he's using to set the stage for his return puts the church in a dilemma. Because we don't want trials and tribulation, so we step away as God is approaching. What a crisis. That we gave our lives to him to spend eternity with him. But as his coming gets closer, we get further away. What danger we are in. And he's here warning us that, listen, when you see these things, it's a sign. We were warned that it's a sign that the coming of the Lord is nigh. But yet, many are drifting away as it gets closer to the coming. See, when God wants to move, It's a serious time. And we had better be ready to make a serious response to the king. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds. Talk about blowing the trumpet. Great noise. God ain't coming in secret. When we get our hearts and lives aligned with him and wait for him to move, then we can see a great revival sweep this land. Church, it's time for us to realign our hearts and our lives with the King of glory. And revival will sweep through the land. The next great event you're going to see is a revival of God's remnant so that the Lord can return. I'm telling you, listen, it's not going to change the crime. It's going to change the church. Listen, evil has never stopped. And the church has always persisted. We have grown accustomed to a kind of culture that says, God needs to come and stop all of this so the church can be. God says, no, all of this is going to go on, but the remnant is going to stand. I I want to get the picture because I want us to remove the notion from our heads that revival needs to come so Jamaica can be a better place. When revival comes, it's not for Jamaica. It's for God's church. 
And when the church is revived, things begin to change. It doesn't mean crime stop. It means that the church is changed and the power of God is established in the land. The dictates of God are seen. The demonstration of God's power, they are clearly seen in the land. That is what happened church. It doesn't mean there won't be mothers turning against sons, daughters and fathers. It, it don't mean that is gonna hap- that won't happen. What it means is that the church begins to live and operate in a manifest power of God in the midst of all that is happening. In other words, they will try to harm you and they just can't do it. Everybody don't have anything and God will provide for you in the midst of it. That's what it means. But somehow we have this notion that revival means that everything in Jamaica is going to change. That every gun is going to be thrown away and people will stop smoking weed and there will be no more secular music. And everybody in Jamaica is going to start going to church. That's a false understanding of revival. All revival means is a separation of the sheep from the goat. The remnant will praise in the midst of being around the wolves. Come on now. That's the move of God. That's the move of God. God ain't moving so so that everybody can be employed. Let, let, let me get, get, get to your notes. I have 15 minutes to go. P- pray for me. I just, and I just started. I can't, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I need to speak to the praise and worship team. Because it must be their fault. Because I just started. All right. Let's, so let's, let's go to the chase. All right. Point one. God's people often fail to realize God is moving. Listen. I have... I don't hear many people saying God is moving right now in Jamaica. Here's why. Because the events that are happening, they don't like. When the events that are happening you don't like, it means that God is moving. Why? Because his ways (laughs) and his thoughts people, God is moving and we don't even realize it. Because we don't like what is happening. So next time they ask you, what's really happening with Jamaica? Say to them, God is moving. And here's what they're going to say to you next. What do you mean God will move? Don't you see what is happening? And they're going to give you some stories of depression. And you say to them, it's because God's ways are not your ways. You can't understand it, but this is a move of God. The people didn't like the flood that came and destroyed them, but it was a move of God. Come come on now. When God is moving, people don't normally like it. But there's a group of people who always agree with it. And those who agree with the move live in and through the move. It means that God manifests himself through events. Many times things like financial or medical setbacks are God's doing. 
The plagues were God's doing in the book of Exodus. The frogs were God's doing. The water turning into blood was God's doing. The locust was God's doing. It it was a man. It wasn't the devil. It was God's doing to bring about a revival. A restoring of the people of Israel to their rightful place. And to take them out of bondage. And certain events had to take place before they were taken out. Church, certain events that are not pleasing to us will have to take place so we can be taken out. And that is the revival that scripture teaches. Even weather events can be used by God to get our attention. Physical events have spiritual meanings behind them. So when you see physical things happening, you see people dying and kids dying and stuff. Don't think like God is not at work. He's at work and he's moving. So physical events have spiritual meanings. Natural means, however, can't fix spiritual issues. I want to stop there for a minute. See, the church believes that the government... And the police forces operating in the natural can fix what God is doing in the spiritual. Let me tell you where there's a great contradiction. God is moving and they are moving police officers to stop what God is working. You realize why certain things have never stopped? Because if God is setting the stage, natural means can't fix it. Are giving us context to what is happening. If we believe that God is moving, then the government can only fix it if they tap into God's ways and God's solution to the problem. Otherwise, they are trying to use natural means to fix spiritual problems. Here's what the scripture says in Joel 1, from 4 to 6, and then verse 15. It says, When the locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten, and what the swarming locust has left, the creeping, giving out the, the creeping locust, um, where am I? And what the, the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten, and what the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. Alright, so there are different locusts eating. So when the pandemic done, crime start. When crime start, unemployment start. When unemployment start, then rape start. And then murder start. And then beheading start. And then you think as one locust gone, a worse locust come. And then and next, you, you, you get rid of these locusts. You get rid of crime, pandemic. You get rid of that, then, then children can't not learn nothing. Like, like there's just one thing after the other. It says... Awake you heavy drinkers. Say that ain't me. Come on, you better say that ain't me. No, you're in church. You know? <laughs> Notice nobody not answering say that ain't me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. I need to pray for your people. Amen. Awake you heavy drinkers. And weep. And wail all you wine drinkers. Because of the sweet wine. For it has been 
eliminated from your mouth. For a nation has invaded my line, my land, mighty and without number. Its teeth are the teeth of a lion, and it has jaws of a lioness. Woe, verse 15, woe for the day. For the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. So what this is saying is that after all this locust business go on, the day of the Lord is near. Mean that, and you see the people say, well, if that is going to happen, people of God, we need to get together and have a solemn assembly, a sacred assembly. You see, when you talk about the forecast, meteorologists can give you weather patterns and conditions. They can tell you when a tornado, hurricane is coming, or if one has already touched down somewhere. They can even predict some serious situations that will produce hurricanes and tornadoes, and, 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 but they aren't always accurate. They watch and wait, and they try to warn us when conditions are threatening. Imagine God in his role as a perfectly accurate weatherman. He knows what the conditions are and what they will lead to. So he already has given us warnings because he doesn't want us to be blindsided by a storm. Do you understand that God has given... When you see conditions changing, God the weatherman is saying, there's a storm on the way. See, that's why the warnings of God are very important that we know so we can understand the workings of God. Uh, you know, it's a divine visitation when there is no human solution. The day of the Lord, uh, you, you'll read through scriptures and hear about the day of the Lord. It's a really a biblical phrase used frequently throughout scripture. And the term indicates a time period when the purposes of God will be brought to completion. So every time you see the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is a, a specific time period in God's Kairos moment when the purposes of God will be brought to completion. So when it says the day of the Lord is near, it says that God is going to bring some things to completion. There's a purpose that he's seeking to establish. Maybe he's... He's, he's, he's shifting the power balance in a nation. Maybe, but, but there's something that God is working. There's a purpose he's seeking to establish. And it's called, on that day of the Lord, he comes and he says, Listen, everything going to be turned upside down, inside out. Everything is about to change because I'm going to turn up. And no human solution can deal with this because there's a divine visitation. When I turn up, it's going to be fixed. Until then... All your efforts are a waste of time. Church, can I tell you that I, from I've been a child, I've been here in the government say they want to fix crime. And since I've become a man, crime has gotten worse. I, 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 I might, listen, there are more doctors and medicine has become more sophisticated than before. Most of us know that when we were younger, you only know caffeinol and Tylenol. And Fenzik. They have 
better scientists now, but less control of sicknesses. It means that divine intervention is needed because there is no human solution. The day of the Lord includes both judgment upon the earth and salvation of many. So when the day of the Lord comes, there are some people who are going to be judged and some people are going to be saved. The end times day is almost certainly a time period associated with the return of Christ and is used frequently to speak to God's mighty power and his involvement in the world. So there's a difference between man's day and the day of the Lord. Man's day is when man do what man can do. The Lord's day is when the Lord turns up and says, man, stop because you can't do nothing about this. This is God's time. And what revival does is say, we are going to come together and we are going to meet together. We are going to pray and usher in the Lord's day. And when the Lord's day comes, then everything changes. Everything is fixed. Bodies get raised. Mountains get moved. Giants get slain. Nation get changed. Repentance happen. All of these things, God turns up and he says, listen, there are some people who are going to be judged. They're going to be washed away by the flood. But some are going to be saved. They're going to stay in the ark. He says, when God turns up, he says, there are some people who are going to go across the Red Sea. But there's a next set, all of them going drunk. He says, there's a, they, when the day of the Lord comes, he says, finally, I'm about. Sodom, you have been going on for too long. Gomorrah, you have been going on for so long. Here's what. I'm going to turn up. Listen, take out some, judge the rest. the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when God decides to no longer let men call the shots. He comes as king of all kings. He turns up and says, remember, I am Lord of all lords. All authority belongs to God. So Mr. PM, Mr. GG, Mr. President, my time to shine. It's a time when he directly intervenes in the human situation in order to bring about judgment and restoration. You see, the Lord has solution to everything. Everything. There's nothing that God can't solve. Do do you know that? There's no problem. Every problem in Jamaica, God can solve it. God could just, and everything get fixed. If you're driven past your normal answer, you need his answer. When human effort fails, God intervenes. Solemn assemblies, they aren't fun event. A solemn assembly is not where you come and you laugh and you have fun and you sit down and you eat curry chicken and rice and peas. It's a call, when you look at the scriptures, it talk about rend your heart. It talks about return to the Lord. It talks about how he's slow to anger. Listen, it's talking about weeping and wailing and, and consecrating. These are the words that are used in the text. Sanctify the congregation. A crisis call for solution, not humor. It, 
That's what the crisis called for. You see, celebration, yes, come after the solution has been found. But, 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 but we, want, we, we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate. Like people, if you say, let's listen, it's time for a sacred assembly. You know what people are going to ask you for? Welcome to the fall songs. And that is why people don't like to fast. Because fasting is to, you know, it, it's not exciting. And really, if you want revival, a solemn assembly is required. And the only excitement you have is knowing that God is doing something on the inside that's going to revive and restore and there's going to be a celebration afterwards. You see, when the scripture says, though sorrow may last for a night, joy comes in the morning when the scripture speaks about it. It's speaking about when you, when you talk, the scripture talks about mourning. It's not talking about the loss of a loved one. It's not talking about the mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's crying over our sins. Weeping over our sins. When you do that, joy comes afterwards. When we are dealing with sin, it's not a time to be celebrating and be excited. It's a time to mourn. So God can relent. A solemn assembly involves returning to God. Turn to me with all your hearts. The troubles we experience are often to force a return to God. Remember I said that earlier? When you see these things, when trouble in your life, sing praises, it's also time to return to God. When you see things going down, a, a, a downward spiral, look to Jesus. When you see things start taking a turn for the worse in your life, turn to Jesus. Maybe it's God putting events in place so you can get back close to him before you get too far from him. Amen? Listen, you ever going somewhere wrong? Well, are you going to do wrong? And be things start happen? I know you can't answer because you don't want us to know that. you. So let me speak to the unknown person. The unknown person is planning on going somewhere wrong. They step in the car and they realize that the tire flat. So they have to come out and change the tire. While they change the tire, show a rain come down and they're doing in a garage so they get wet up. Could it be that God is saving you from being bound to a particular spirit that you're going to expose yourself to? And the spirit is lurking out there to tie you to it. And God put these events in place to stop you. <clears throat> The locust invasion described in Joel would have decimated Israel's agrarian society and the economy. A locust invasion in that kind of land would bring great trouble and cause some people to die while forcing others to work even harder to try to restore everything. That's what locust does. The locust invasion was a call to return to God. So in Joel chapter 1 from 2 to 12, it says, Hear this, you elders, and listen all inhabitants of the, the land. Has anything like this happened in your days? 
are in your father's days, tell your sons about it. And have your sons tell their sons. And their sons the next generation. What the gone in locusts has left, or the nine locusts has left, the swarming locusts has eaten, and what the swarming locusts has left, and it goes all the way down. Let me, because I read some, for the nation has invited, so let's go down to verse 7. Joel chapter 2. Verse 7. It has made my wine a waste and my fig tree a stump. Am I there? Yeah. Joel chapter 1 verse 7. I'm at the right place. There you go. It has made my wine a waste and my fig tree a stump. Joel chapter 1 verse 7. It has stripped them bare and hurled them away. Their branches became white. Way like a virgin, clothed with sackcloth for the groom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The field is ruined, the land mourns, for the grain is ruined, and the wine has dried up. Fresh oil has failed. Be ashamed, you farm workers. Farm working thing a long time, you know. I mean, not this, no, no. <laughs> Wail, you vine dressers. For the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine has dried up and the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate, the palm also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field have dried up. Indeed, joy has dried up from the sons of mankind. You see what is happening? What happened destroyed the very joy of mankind. So at this point, church, seeking human strategies would be missing the point. Why? Because repentance is crucial for returning to God. And it is a complete turnaround. A 180 degree turn. Alright? That's what it needs. Where is, where is Casey? I want you to stand for me, Casey. This is Casey right here. Don't know if you can see her. Uh, Casey is very intelligent. You know what? Give me 90 degrees. Give me a 90 degrees turn. 90 degrees. There you go. 90 degrees is not enough. Alright? So give me a 180 degrees turn. There you go. So from her starting point, she's now in a different direction. Right? Repentance is not 90 degrees. It is 180 degrees. It means that you turn your back on something and turn your face to something new. When God says repent and return, he says 190 gives you a glimpse of what is behind you and what is ahead of you. And most of us like that. We have not completed the turn around because case come back 90 degrees for me we are 90 degrees and 90 degrees they call it the prefer peripheral vision you can see there and you can still see there you see where you're coming from or you're being haunted by your past god says real return to me means that you forget the things that are behind it means that you have to go 180 180 again. And until you're 180, 
you have not repented. Until you have changed the focus of your eyes from the way of sin to the way of God, you have not repented. And God is saying to the people, that's what I want from you. Thank you so much, Casey. Right? Uh, but, but the return happens both externally and internally. So it doesn't just happen by you just, just okay, all right, Pastor, see, I must repent. Okay, well, uh, no, 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 no. An internal change must take place. And that is why the scriptures speak of some of these things about consecrating and sanctifying. You see, the solemn assembly works only if this is internally driven and not ex- uh, merely externally driven. And so spiritual disciplines such as fasting display such a change. When you begin to have a heart for fasting and reading God's word and worshiping God and praying. So you meditate upon scripture during this time and you be honest before God. When, when you begin, real repentance means real honesty. You can't repent and be lying to yourself and lying to God and lying to others. And your life can't be a lie. Not acknowledging something doesn't fix the thing or fix the problem. You have to acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge and admit that this is wrong and I am wrong. We may not want to face God, but the problem will still persist. So instead of ignoring the issues in our life, we should sound the alarm. Something is wrong. And so when we return to God, here's what happened. According to the scripture, He returns to us. So when we repent, God relents. Come and say that with me. When I repent, God relents. So watch it. Hey, this is amazing. Right, Casey, I know you don't like to stand up in church and things, but can you stand for me again? So while you're in sin, it's not that God has turned His back. But all you, you see what is happening? Because all, say, say God is over there, right? Not, not any of those three persons right there. I'm talking about, you know, God is just over that side somewhere, right? It means that in that position, she's giving God her back. So God turned his eyes off. But it's not really that God turned his eyes off. Because God's eyes are always on us. Here's what. But, but, but she can't see the eyes of God on her. Because her back is turned. And as long as you're in that state, here's what is happening. Here's what is happening. You're seeing what God don't want you to be like. You're seeing your other God. And so that is why you have to make 180 again. And so now, the devil that haunts you can only see your back. And your face is fixed on the Lord. We return to God. Listen, when the scripture says he returns to us, it really means now our eyes are face to face. Because previously, it was his eyes on our back. Now, it's his face and our faith. Come on, clap your hands for Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. You see, 
And so his returning is necessary for spiritual growth. You cannot grow spiritually if your back is turned to God. So we must first be brutally honest and lay everything out on the table. I don't know if you know what a trash compactor does or is, but a trash compactor doesn't eliminate the trash. It simply tries to make the pile manageable and compacts it so you can add more, right? The garbage, the garbage trucks, they, they, they compact it. So what they do is that they'll throw your garbage in and you see this thing come down and it, it squashes it down so they can put more garbage on it, right? Generally, that's how it works. But the garbage professionals remove it from your property and they dispose of it. So they compact it in truck and they remove it, right? The garbage collector doesn't come knocking on your door looking for your trash. He picks it up only after you put it out by the curb. Let me say it again. The garbage collector don't come and go in the kitchen and take out your garbage. You have to take out your garbage, put it outside, and the garbage collector comes and takes it away. Tell the person beside you, bring out the garbage. The only way God is going to take it away is if you bring out the garbage. When we, when we return to Jesus, he fully removes all our garbage. We just have to put it out there for him. When we try to take care of it ourselves, we try to press it down. I do that sometimes. It doesn't... Listen... When the garbage bag sometimes is full, of, you, you try to push it down and put in somewhere, you stuff it down and put more on it. As long as it remains, it's still garbage in your house. So when we try to take care of it ourselves, all we do is try to compact it and we try to manage it, which is not good, a good long-term solution. So if Monday you push it down, it don't mean you don't have garbage. It just looks less but it's still a lot. And so Tuesday you put more on it and you stamp it down, it, your house is still dirty. The only time the house gets clean is when the garbage goes out on the curb. Compacting the garbage is only to manage the garbage, not to get rid of it. And God don't want to compact the garbage in our lives. He wants to come and remove the garbage. And how he removes the garbage is when we bring the garbage out. Amen? Amen? Let me give you a body example and then we're going to close. The main function of the human heart is to pump blood throughout the body. You said a heart attack is a corrosion of the blood vessels that keep the blood from flowing properly. Everything in your body is banking on good blood flow. When parts of the body don't get the blood they need, they can die and become useless. So the same is true in our spiritual lives. We need our very hearts to be pumped by the truth of Christ. We need him to be the source of our health and our lives. You see, God wants our heart. Or the life-giving spiritual blood won't pump. And then we're going to die spiritually. Amen? 
Number, number five, let's, let's go through this. God is slow to anger and he desires to withhold his judgment. And you're sitting there and say, what am I going to do about my sin? The good news that the scripture gives is that God is slow to anger and great and of great kindness. We can't always predict what he will do. You see, God is sovereign and he doesn't fit into our categories. We don't know what he will do, but know that God is slow to anger. Exodus 4.24 says this, But it came about at the overnight encampment of the way that the Lord met Moses and sought to put him to death. Can you imagine? Like God just said, listen, I'm going to kill Moses. But of course, you know, God relented. I want you to understand, like, listen, don't think you're getting away with sin because you don't know what God will do. God could say, all right, I'm going to turn up tonight and I'm going to put you to death. That's why we can't play with sin. Because you don't know what God is going to do. Listen, my kids, watch this, watch this, watch how kids work. Kids don't do certain things because they know what you're going to do. Here's the thing. If they know that they're going to be caught, they don't do it. Most smart kids act that way. If they're going to do it, they try to make sure that they know that they're not going to get caught. Here's the thing. When it comes on to God, you can't play that game. Your parents can't always see but his eyes go to and fro the whole earth. So he's always seen. We can't play, I am not going to get caught with God. It, it don't work that way. Every situation will be different. But they all show his mercy. Jonah 3 verse 10 says, When God saw his deeds, that they turned from their evil way, then God relented of the disaster which he had declared he would bring on them. So he did not do it. Sometimes God will say, you know what? You're supposed to be dead, you know. But I'm not going to do it. Next time he'll say, you know what? I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you just don't know what God is going to do. <laughs> so so don't, I would say to you, don't take any chances. See, God is more than fair and gracious. And many times in scripture, he did not give what was deserved. Hallelujah. I thank God that he has been so kind and gracious to us. He often restores things even better. And so what that means is that when God comes and revival takes place and God says he's going to restore you, your, your, your latter will be better than your former. In other words, your later stage will be better than your previous stage. God is not just going to fix you up for you to look the same way. He's going to fix you up for you to be better than you were. Yes, see, better than before. God can give back what the world has taken. In other words, this when God says I'm going to restore, it means to restore to reinstitute to proper order. So it means that there are some things that we have lost. Maybe you have lost some years. God says when revival takes place and I'm coming to restore. You see the 10 years that you lost in that wasted relationship I'm going to put some things in place and you're going to be like you lost nothing. Remember when Job, everything that Job lost, God restored what? What fall? What fall? What fall? Double fall. In other words, he got more than what he in other words, he was in a better state after the revival took place than when he was before the revival. Come on now. 
That's what God is saying. God is saying, listen, 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 listen. When I restore you, it's going to be better. So verse 25 of chapter 2 says this. Then I will compensate you. Hallelujah. Can you get this? Every time you think about God, restore me. Here's what God is, what that means. Then I will compensate you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Come on, just lift your hands and say, God, thank you for my compensation. He says, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the awning locust, my great army, which I sent among you. Hold on. Who sent the army? So all this locust thing going on is really God. But God says, hold on. You see when all that is done and you repent, I'm going to fix things. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to make things better than they were before. You, you see, so don't complain about what you're going to lose when the destruction comes. Begin to rejoice is what you're going to get in what you're going to gain when the restoration takes place. Hallelujah. Scripture makes it clear, church, that God is constant and unchanging. But that doesn't mean he doesn't relent of his judgment and bring mercy instead. You see, the scripture is full of instances where God decided not to bring the destruction or judgment he had warned of. We see this in the book of Jonah, in the story of Moses and Zipporah in Exodus 4, and also in Exodus chapter 32, all of which are cases where God decided not to bring catastrophe because he relents. Perhaps it is to explain God's change of mind. Not as mankind forcing God to alter his will, but God demonstrating his mercy when someone repents. These stories are in scriptures for us to see his grace and slow to anger nature. That's why I like this song. Your grace and mercy. It brought me through. I'm living this moment. Because of you. Because, because man, listen. There are some people that don't get where. I want us to understand when the scripture, when we're, we're talking about. There are some people who didn't get away with what you got away with. Come on now. Think about it. There are some people who didn't get away with what you got away with. Here's the other part. That is true. There are some people who got away with what you didn't get away with. You ever hear somebody says, listen, the, the one time, make me mistake. Lord of mercy, look what happened. And look how many other people do it and that never happened to them. In the reverse is true. There are some things, hallelujah, listen, there are some things that you don't get away with that some other people is just one chance them get. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. And the kindness of God. So I say to you, and I say to me, you don't know what you're going to get away with. And what you're not going to get away with. So don't do anything that you need to get away from. Let me say that. Because we do not determine what we get away with. And we do not determine what we don't get away with. Don't do anything that you're going to need to get away from. I 
I'm very sure that even in this sanctuary this morning, there are people who could testify to this. That the first time I tried, you know what happened to me? There's a next person going to tell you, well, boy, several years, and that has never happened to me. So what I want to encourage you to do this morning is what the scripture teaches as well in the same Joel. Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, many times we would like to go back in time and change things. Many of us. If I could go back, I would change this. But I want to encourage you. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. We need to go forward and join him and not looking back. Come on, Casey, you're going to help me, Casey. You're going to help me. Come again. So I'm going to just come around this side. So this is Casey. Remember, at first she turned. And here's the thing. Listen. Come, Casey. So this is Casey. You have to turn this way first. You have to turn to me. So watch this. Here's how it works. So, so make the 180 turn. Make the 180. 180. There you go. So watch this. This is what God wants you to do. God is saying, listen, go forward. Because now you're, you're facing him. Enjoy him. Forget about the things that are behind. That's what you're coming out of. I know you want to go back and fix some things. If you could fix them, you'd fix them. Don't, don't, don't even go and touch them. Just keep walking, Casey. Just keep walking. Just keep. Just. I mean, you can't walk slow. You can't walk fast. Just keep walking. Walk. Walk all the way. Just, just keep walking. Go, go, go. You dilly dally walk and thing. Take, take. I mean, go, go all the way. All the way. All the way down back. All the way down back. Down to where your father is. You know, your earthly father. What we're talking about, Father God. Go all the way. 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 Listen, 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 listen. All right. Yeah, now she's all the way there. You know how far she's away from here? So you are so far from what you used to be, the far from what you want to fix, that you forget what you want to fix. The problem is that some of us want to stay right here. We don't want to go forward. We want to repent and stop. And so we still stay close to what is there. And the closer you are, is the closer your memory will be. You need to start walking towards the Father. Because the closer you get to the Father, as far as the east is from the west, there's a separation. And the separation is in the walking. And that is why it's spiritual growth and consistent walking. The problem is, you just turn and stop. You need to turn and walk. Come taste and see. Watch this, watch this. Where is the Lord? Ahead of me. So, to taste and see, I have to get where he is. Not just turn to him, but I have to get to him. Because I'm going to taste and I'm going to see that he is God. It means that our best days are ahead. If we follow after the Lord and if we follow the Lord. Because here's the thing. The Father is going to take you where the Father is going. Hallelujah. So many of us have lost time, which is more precious than anything. 
many would turn back the hands of time and do something different if they could. Leave it in the hands of the Lord. See, I can't say what God is going to do in any given situation. All I can tell you is that he changes his mind concerning judgment when we repent and when we return to him. The scripture says, Now therefore says the Lord, Turn to me with your whole heart. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Call a sacred assembly. Consecrate yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. He's a God who is slow to anger. And he is full of kindness. I wish there were some people this morning who would say, listen, I'm ready to taste and see. I'm ready to go after God. I'm ready to follow him. I'm leaving that which is behind. I'm leaving the past because there's no human effort that can fix the spiritual problems. If this is God's doing, it must be God's ending and God's fixing because human hands can do what God's hands are supposed to do. God is all powerful church and he's almighty. And, and are we missing God move? Because we're so focused on all the bad that is happening. We have our eyes on the wrong thing. We have our eyes on the problem instead of having our eyes on the problem solver. Come on church, just stand with me because maybe we need to return this morning and say, God, you know what? I'm turning my heart back to you, Lord God. For God, I've turned away, Lord God. The focus has been about all the bad that's happening, the, 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 the pandemic, and uh, it's been about the crime, it has been about the, the, the financial instability, it has been about the unemployment, God, it has been about, you know, the broken relationship, God, it has been about the many life failures. My eyes have been on the wrong thing, God, and my back has been turned to you. But God, this morning, in the name of Jesus, we make a 180 turn and we, we turn our back from the problem and we fix our eyes on the problem solver. Lord God Almighty for you are the problem solver. Lord God when heaven intervenes everything changes in the name of Jesus. For there is nothing too difficult for you and there is nothing impossible with you. God we thank you that even in the state of our sin you continue to be slow in anger and great in kindness. God it could have been me but it was you who saved me. God, I could have been that one. But God, you intervened. Heaven intervened. God, when I was heading down that path, heaven intervened. You stepped in. You rescued. You saved. God, and you delivered. The same flood waters that destroyed the enemy lifted me higher as I rested in your presence. The same ocean that I went through, the enemy drowns in because you are with us, almighty God. Hallelujah to your great name. Great God, kind God, merciful God. We repent, Lord God, as you relent from your judgment. We thank you, God, that compensation is prepared for us. Everything that the pandemic has eaten up, everything crying.
name has eaten up will be restored double fold in the name of Jesus. You'll make up back the heirs, Lord God. You'll fill the cupboards again, Lord God. The fields will be green again, oh God. We thank you. Living water will flow again, Lord God. You'll cause streams to run in the dry places again. Give the overflow. God, I thank you that this year is my restoration year. Compensation for everything that the enemy has stolen. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And I want you to just lift your hands and just begin to worship God. Come on, begin to speak over your life. Say, God, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see restoration. I'm going to see compensation. I'm going to see revival, Lord God. Come on, just begin to speak over your life. Say, my son and my daughter, they will see, they will see the victory. They will see restoration. They will experience compensation. Come on, just say, I'm going to see the victory in my marriage. I'm going to see the victory in my finances. I'm going to see the victory concerning my health. I'm going to see the victory in my family. I'm going to see the victory in the lives of my children. God, I'm going to see the victory. 